0: Would you pray with me? O Lord, in your grace and your goodness, fill this space with your love and open our ears that you might give us a word for the next week, something to ground ourselves and to remind ourselves to whom we belong. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So next week is Stewardship Sunday, as I mentioned, and I want to ask you to take some time this week to reflect and pray about the place of Montview in your life. And I have a specific request that you will um, pray and think about the level of support that would truly make you joyful. And if that seems like a funny word, then I'm, I'm hoping that by the end of this sermon, it'll make a little more sense. I don't know where or when it starts, whether we're born with the seeds of it already planted or whether it's the steady stream of unhelpful cultural messages. But almost everyone I know struggles in some way with feeling that they are not good enough. And for some of us, it's a very specific bee in our bonnet. We don't feel smart enough or interesting enough, kind enough, helpful enough. And for others of us, it's more of just a general disquiet, a vague sense that who we are as a person is somehow insufficient to the task. And to be fair, this sense of shortcoming that we feel can be a wonderful motivator. Our frenetic attempt to stay ahead of it has contributed to countless college degrees and scientific discoveries, works of art, and clean houses. It has also contributed, though, to its share of wars and dictators and poor parenting. I think of all the times I shamelessly bribed my kids to be on good behavior in situations when I was actually desperate for others to see me as a good, good enough dad. But where I see this insecurity show up most is with money and the things that money buys. We make the mistake of thinking we can alleviate the anxiety that we feel about who we are by hiding behind the things that we have. So we purchase more new and better cars, homes, clothes, phones, TVs, watches, rings, vacations, food, wine, shoes, lamps, luggage, and anything else, literally anything else that money can buy in the hope of convincing others and ourselves, I think, that we're good enough. Even though we know in our heart of hearts That you can't solve I am with I have. Which brings us to the parable that's often called the parable of the rich fool. And we know from the beginning of our story that Jesus is telling this parable as a cautionary tale against greed. But what exactly is the man's greed? What is his sin? What makes him... Specifically, a fool. Is it just that he's wealthy? It's certainly easy enough to equate wealth and sin, given how often the latter seems to follow from the former. But in and of itself, being rich is not harmful and is not foolish. And the story simply says the land of a rich man produced abundantly which by itself would seem to be a good thing, a blessing. Thanks be to God. The problem must be then that the man decides to tear down his old barns and builds bigger ones. Like having the biggest house on the hill, this must be a sign of his vanity, a sign of pride. Maybe. But the crops do have to go somewhere for the time being. And again, the parable itself doesn't seem to pass judgment. And there are some potential sins that aren't uh, explicit in the text, but by their very silence cry out for us to hear them. What of, for example, all of those poor crop workers who actually did the work in the fields to produce such an abundant crop? Or the man's neighbors or his friends, the people in the community who maybe did not have such a good year. He doesn't seem to be too concerned about them or anyone else besides himself. But we can't be for sure that he doesn't plan to share his good fortune. All we really do know is that he believes that because he has ample goods, he can relax and he can eat and drink and be merry, right? In other words, he sees in those barns a kind of ticket to the good life. He's got a lot of stock in those barns. And here I think we're getting to what makes him such a fool. It's not the sin of pride. It's not a sin of callousness toward his workers or his neighbors. It is the sin of misplaced faith. The rich fool makes the mistake of believing that what is important in life, what really matters, is in those barns. He believes that therein lies his source of security, of hope, of happiness, of peace. But you cannot solve I am with I have. You fool. God says, this very night your life is being demanded of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And so it is, Jesus says, and so it is with those who store up for themselves treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. But are not rich toward God. Friends, the only real wealth in this world is our richness toward God. Yes, having nice things is nice. And yes, having enough money makes easier all sorts of challenges. And yes, poverty is cruel and dehumanizing, and I do not mean to diminish it and its suffering. But there are many kinds of poverty... And I have known so many people who are financially well-off but they are spiritually bankrupt. And I have known other people who don't have two dimes to rub together, who live in abundance because they know who they are and whose they are. That, That sense of lack, that pit of worry that we are not good enough in this world, will always be there so long as we keep looking to the world to fill it. Our value, our, our meaning, our worth is found in and only in the mystery of our baptismal identity as God's beloved. Everything that matters happens with God and through God. And we only matter insofar as God is moving through us and in giving us life and inviting us to a life of loving other people. Outside of that, outside of God, we are nothing. The answer to the question, am I good enough, is on our own, on my own? No. No. Not even close. We are good enough because we come from and belong to that holy mystery that shimmers through this world with a different kind of gold. And when we invest in that gold, when we build barns in our heart to hold that treasure, then we become truly wealthy. The interesting thing is that while you can't solve for I am with I have, you can do some remarkable things with what you have when you know who you are. When we know we are dear to God and that therefore we have always been and always will be good enough, then we can stop looking to money to do what it can't ever do and free it to do what it does so well. Money is a wonderful tool to express who we are and our deepest values in this world, what we believe in. And money gives us a chance to be a part of something bigger than our own small little world. To participate in and add to God's love and God's goodness in this world. What made the rich fool such a fool was his lack of imagination. It wasn't so much a sin, it was just sad. Having been, all, having been given all of that abundance, all he could think to do with it was stock the fridge and buy a hammock. It's a cautionary tale for all of us not to mistake what we have for who we are not to build barns for the wrong reasons, and not to waste the chance to put our abundance toward things that really matter. All of us here have so much, and so much to give this world. Whether it's by supporting this church or something else you deeply believe in, we have an opportunity to do more than just limit our abundance to something as small and unimaginative as our own selves. So that on the day that when our lives are demanded and like the rich fool, we are faced with the question of what we did with what we were given. Well, perhaps we will be the richer because we were the wiser.